story you are about to hear is true. Attention, all true. She's alive. As I mentioned on the site, we had two movie theaters in my town growing up. At one point, we even had three. But all three of them were the same brand of movie theater. They were all Lowe's. One summer in the 80s, a great thing happened. My older sister got a job as a ticket taker at one of the Lowe's movie theaters in town, which meant that she got free passes to go see the movies. Her being a great sister, she decided to share those with me more often than not. That meant that whole summer... I was going to the movies all the time. Unfortunately, that movie-going season started with a very embarrassing event. It was actually maybe the second movie that she had given us tickets for. I was going to go see Pee-wee's Big Adventure with my friend Rob. We went to the movies early, brought some money for candy, we had our movie passes. We went to the very first show of Pee-wee's Big Adventure that day. We sat in the middle, kind of toward the back. This was before stadium seating, so... We sat down to start watching the movie. The theater was empty. We put our feet up, just hanging out, relaxed, watching a movie. About 10 minutes into the movie, my leg sort of somehow slipped between the seats, but actually under the armrest, which I thought, oh, okay, whatever. And so I tried to pull it out. It wouldn't move. I asked Rob to take my sneaker off so I could try to slip it out. It wouldn't come out. So of course, I panicked. I started thrashing about in the seats. Nothing would get my leg out of there. It was jammed. I'm not sure how that happened or why. Rob went out to go get the management. They turned the lights on, stopped the movie. The ticker takers came in, the usher. My sister was rolling her eyes as they tried to get my foot out from between these seats. Nothing would do it. About five minutes later, firemen came into the movie theater to try to get my leg out. I'm not sure what they were doing. They kind of moved it around, tried to get it out. It didn't hurt or anything like that. Finally, they sort of pushed it down, and one of the firemen used this clamp to push the seat apart, and my foot was freed. Luckily, there were only three other people in the theater, but this had delayed their movie-going experience by a half hour, maybe even longer. There was some light applause as I was freed. Eventually, the house lights dimmed, and we got back to the movie. To tell you the truth, I don't think I watched much of Pee-wee's Big Adventure that day. I was so traumatized by my leg getting caught between the seats. To this day, I still have little moments of panic when I'm in the movies and I kind of put my feet up and it starts to slide between the seats. I kind of jerk and react. And of course, everyone laughs at me. A couple of weeks later, right before the movie closed, I got to see it a second time. And I just loved it. I had been a big Pee Wee Herman fan from his HBO special, and the movie did not disappoint. On today's show, we're going to talk about Pee Wee Herman. The actor behind Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens, how he got his start his rapid rise, and his infamous fall. Jonathan's also back with the Far Out Space Nuts this week, and we get a top five list from Metagirl. We have a lot of great material to cover, so without further ado, let's start the show.
The man who would become Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens, was actually born Paul Rubenfield in Peekskill, New York, on August 27, 1952. He was the son of Judy and Milton Rubenfield. Paul's father, Milton, was a pilot during World War II and actually flew for the British Royal Air Force and the U.S. Army Air Force. He also became one of the founding pilots of the Israeli Air Force during the 1948 War of Independence. When Paul was still pretty young, the Rubenfields moved to Sarasota, Florida, where Paul would grow up. Sarasota, Florida happens to be the winter headquarters of the greatest show on earth, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Circus. And Rubens has said in interviews that the circus was a great influence on him and made him want to become an entertainer. If it influenced his decision to make Big Top Pee Wee, I wished he had moved to Miami or maybe Port St. Lucie. It seems that Paul always knew that he wanted to be an actor, and at the age of five he asked his father to build a stage so that he and his siblings could put on little plays, which must have been adorable. In high school, Rubens was named president of the National Thespian Society, and he got into the Northwestern University summer program for gifted high school students. He did a bunch of local plays in Sarasota, and after graduating, he went to Boston University and started to try to get into acting school. A lot of acting schools like Juilliard, Carnegie Mellon all turned him down, and then he was finally accepted into the California Institute of the Arts. That changed his trajectory from the East Coast to the West Coast. He moved to California and got to work. In the 70s, Rubens took to comedy and started hitting local comedy clubs. He even made guest appearance on The Gong Show with Charlotte McGinnis. McGinnis, who passed away in 2006, was probably best known for her role as Dr. Norton in Reform School Girls. He appeared four times on The Gong Show in an act they called the hilarious Betty and Eddie. Their performance had a very retro vibe to it. It's great stuff. Have a listen. That was Fawcett running. Now, screams, groans, sounds of terror. Oh, no! Don't go near there! No! 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 People of Earth, people of Earth, your world must end. Jack! Don't! Don't! Let's stretch him, Igor! The rack! Summer outings and gaiety! Ha ha ha! Ha ha! Yippee! Ha ha ha! It wasn't long before his talents were noticed, and he was able to join the Los Angeles-based improv group, The Groundlings. And he was part of that group for six years. It is here that he would make close connections to friends who would help him come up with the character of Pee Wee Herman. So how was Pee Wee Herman born? Legend has it, and according to Rubens, in 1977 the Groundlings were giving an improvisational performance and everybody had to come up with a character that might appear in a comedy club. Rubens decided to play a horrible comedian, and some say he did that because he had no ability to remember jokes, so he would get up there and have a hard time remembering the punchline or he would tell the jokes out of order then he would give a little snide look, and what would become his signature laugh, the ha-ha, followed by the he-he-he, which I cannot duplicate properly. He would also come up with very pithy comebacks, like, I know you are, but what am I? Now, where did those mannerisms come from? And the name, 
the suit, those all grew over the next year. Pee Wee's signature suit was originally borrowed from Groundlings director Gary Austin, and the red bow tie was a gift from a friend. The voice was actually a voice that he had learned to do for a character in another play he had appeared in earlier in his life, something he thought was kind of cartoony and fun. And I've heard multiple stories about the name Pee Wee. The one that is most famous, and one that I'd be happy to talk about, was that it was named after the Pee-wee brand of miniature harmonicas. Now, the Pee-wee harmonica is something I'm familiar with because I happen to own a Pee-wee harmonica that belonged to my grandfather and has been passed down in my family. I'll demonstrate the sound of the Pee-wee harmonica. As you can see, it's kind of high-pitched and small. It can fit in the third pocket of your jeans, or you could run a string through it and wear it around your neck. This thing used to drive my dog crazy. I would play it, and he would just howl like a wolf, which was hilarious. Not many people realize that the Pee-wee harmonica can trigger the call of the wild. So he said that it was the harmonica had inspired him, but he also mentioned that a friend he knew growing up who he thought had the same mannerisms as Pee-wee, inspired him. And yet in another interview, Rubens said that he thought the name Pee-wee Herman sounded real enough to not be made up, and also a name a parent would give a child that they don't like, which might fit Pee-wee pretty well. Rubens created this character for the Groundlings, and it was a mild success. Everybody thought it was pretty funny. And he'd worked on the character with some noteworthy friends, Phil Hartman, John Paragon, Lynn Marie Stewart. Those are names that anyone who's seen the Pee-wee Herman show will be familiar with. But Herman's hadn't fully developed the character and didn't think that the character was something he could make his full-time living on. So in 1980, he went to audition for Saturday Night Live. But another actor, who you just might have heard of, named Gilbert Gottfried, who many of you may know as the voice of the parrot in the Aladdin movies and the Aflac duck, was friends with the producer at the time and had an acting style that everybody said was similar to Pee Wee Herman's, although I think they're quite different, and Gottfried got the part. Rubens was very mad at this, and I guess that anger sort of acted as a catalyst. He was going to go back to L.A. and try to make it on his own, and to do that, he decided to base a show upon the character he had been developing all those years, Pee Wee Herman. With the help of Phil Hartman, Lynn Marie Stewart, and John Paragon, he wrote the show, fleshed out the characters, acquired a small but loyal following, and took his show to the Roxy Theater. The show was an immediate success and sold out for five months. They would do midnight shows for adults and weekly matinees for children. The show was making Pee Wee a L.A. name, and he might have just stayed an L.A. celeb. I mean, the show was avant-garde, and locals who reviewed it said it was funny, but they would often describe it as bizarre and corny. He was also labeled the weirdest comedian around. But then in 1981, HBO recorded and aired the Pee Wee Herman show as part of their On Location series. That is where most of suburban America first got their taste for Pee Wee Herman, and it's been a wild ride ever since. For those of you unlucky enough to have not seen the original Pee Wee Herman show, you should rush out and pick it up and watch it. Rent it if you can. It involves Pee Wee living his life with the cast of characters that some of which you're probably familiar with if you've seen Pee Wee's Playhouse. But basically, Pee Wee has been granted a wish by Jombie. And of course, as any boy will tell you, the greatest wish you could make is for you to be able to fly. But Pee-wee, at the end, does the right thing and uses his wish for good. And because he does, at the very end, he is given his wish and can actually fly. The show wavers between adult and child, and the humor is, goes from zany to sarcastic to, I guess, avant-garde is the good word for it. It blew my small mind away 
as a child because it seemed so sophisticated and yet accessible. I knew it was cartoony, but I could tell that there was something else going on that I needed to figure out. It made me want to know more about comedy and watch more sophisticated fare, I guess, a little bit older fare. Rubens now decided that it would be very good for him to promote the Pee Wee Herman character as a real person. So you get this Kaufman-esque creation of a character, and in subsequent appearances and press releases, he would make up a whole family. You know, his father, his mother, a whole backstory. A lot of those details were revealed on a few appearances in the mid-80s on Late Night with David Letterman, and those appearances are legendary. Just a little trivia for you about Pee-wee's family. Pee-wee grew up in Florida, and his mother's name was Honey Herman, and his father's name, of course, was Herman Herman. Pee-wee also has a sister named Hermione, Hermione, which I've actually never heard him pronounce. He has an older brother, Herman Jr., who's a scientist with a PhD from MIT and now works at DuPont, and a younger brother, Harvey, who works in a bank. The Hermans, as I said, lived in Florida, but later moved to Hollywood, where they opened up a curio shop, which might show you why Pee-wee has all those snazzy retro items that he keeps around his house. From there, the Herman family just gets more and more elaborate. Pee-wee has a grandfather who's from the old country. He's also Herman, but Herman with two ends, and he lives in the attic of the Herman's Victorian house, and the Hermanology just goes on and on and on. His appearances on David Letterman and the success of the Pee-wee Herman show got the attention of people back in Hollywood. And Warner Brothers offered him a one-picture deal. They would allow him to write a script for a full-length Pee-wee Herman movie. So Rubens, I wonder if he went to the meetings with the executives dressed as Pee-wee Herman, decided to do a remake of the movie Pollyanna, which at the time Rubens claimed was his favorite film. While he was writing the script, he would visit the Warner Brothers lot, and he realized that everyone at Warner Brothers would have a bike. And somehow the germ of a bike movie got into his brain and with the help of Phil Hartman he started work on a new movie about a young boy Pee Wee Herman who loses his bike and needs to go on a nationwide trek to get it back. Rubens and the producers of Pee Wee's Big Adventure were very lucky. They had been watching movies in LA and saw Vincent and Frankenweenie. Those are early films by director Tim Burton and they thought wow this guy is a perfect fit to direct Pee-wee's Big Adventure. They got him on board, and although the reviews were mixed, the movie went on to become a whopping success. It grossed almost $41 million domestically, and only cost $7 million to make. So it was a huge hit for its time, quite profitable. And that doesn't even include the VHS tapes and DVD sales and rentals that were to follow. Pee-wee, who had started out as a cult figure, created a very popular cult film, and was about to enter the mainstream in a very big way. After the success of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, CBS approached Rubens with a proposal to create an animated series based on Pee-wee Herman. This was not the best project for Rubens, and in 1986, they came back with another proposal, this time to have Rubens act, produce, and direct a live-action children's program. This show, which had a budget of $325,000 an episode, the same price as a primetime sitcom, would be called Pee-wee's Playhouse. There was a stipulation that there would be absolutely no creative interference from CBS on the show, and that was 
largely kept intact. So the show is as Rubens wanted it. Now, I know most of you have probably seen Pee-wee's Playhouse. It was designed to kind of be educational as well as entertainment. Sort of a cross between Captain Kangaroo and Howdy Doody with Pee-wee as the star. Now, just like everything else Pee-wee had done, he quickly acquired both kids and grown-ups as fans, and the show prospered. Rubens said that he thought that the Playhouse was loved by kids because it was fast-paced, colorful, and never talked down to them, while parents liked the Playhouse because it reminded them of their past. Pee-wee's Playhouse had some great actors in it, actors who have become household names like Lawrence Fishburne and S. Apatha Merkerson. So the show is doing really well, critical acclaim. In the first year that it was produced, it won six Emmy Awards, six for a children's show. The second season, it pulled in 14 Emmy nominations. The show was a critical and rating success. And then Pee-wee followed it up with a movie that was not so good, 1988's Big Top Pee-wee. Now, I've seen Big Top Pee-wee a couple of times. I saw it in the theater, and it just seems out of place. The circus is the perfect place for Pee-wee to be, and it taps into his early love of the circus, which he talks about growing up in Sarasota, Florida. But it just seems that Pee-wee isn't so much Pee-wee in the movie. He seems a little adult, maybe like this is Pee-wee going through puberty or something. In the end, I don't like it. And no matter how much I want to enjoy it, I just don't. Neither did audience members. The movie just did not do well. It was a critical as well as monetary bomb. But at least Pee-wee still had a show to fall back on. The movie being excluded, Pee-wee was still on top of the world. He had a great show under his belt. He just got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. His Christmas special, which is just amazing, his Christmas special had a slew of celebrity guests like Oprah Winfrey, Cher, Little Richard, Joan Rivers. I think he was the first guest on Joan Rivers' show back when it premiered in 1986. Five, four, three, two, one. Greetings, retro fans. This is Metagirl with the top five Pee-wee's Playhouse episodes of all time. Number 5, Monster in the Playhouse, Season 1, Episode 9. Look out, because Mrs. Steve reports that there's a giant one-eyed monster in town. He appears in the playhouse, on the loose, and scares everyone. After Pee-wee makes the monster a snack, and Jombie grants Pee-wee's wish to understand the monster, the whole gang has a new friend. Number 4, Dr. Pee-wee and the Del Rubios, Season 4, Episode 1. When Reba isn't feeling too well, Pee-wee tells her to be patient, because he's going to be her doctor. With the help of Chandelier, Magic Screen, and Terry, Pee-wee takes an x-ray and her temperature before removing a splinter from her finger. Then, the Del Rubio triplets stop by, but not for long, because their boots are made for walking. Number 3, Open House, Season 2, Episode 1. Today in the Playhouse, Pee-wee tricks his friends into doing all of his chores by pretending that work is fun. The gang meets some new friends while renovating the house. Reba arrives in time to deliver Clocky while the Playhouse gang uncovers Flory and meets Mrs. Renee for the first time. Number 2, Ribarella, Season 4, Episode 6. The laughs and fun never stop when Pee-wee, Miss Yvonne, and the Playhouse crew pretend to take a plane trip around the world. Reba has to steal Miss Yvonne, who's the plane stewardess, away from some girl because she's got a date. With Pee-wee and Miss Yvonne acting as chaperones, Reba and her date take in a drive-in movie, Playhouse style. And the number one episode of Pee-wee's Playhouse is... Front Page Pee-wee, Season 1, Episode 15. 
Pee-wee's revving up the presses to print the Playhouse's first newspaper. The Playhouse crew starts researching the articles with the five W's and H. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. When Pee-wee puts the paper to bed, and then goes to bed himself, Sneaky Randy changes everyone's stories to lies. How will the Playhouse pals live it down? And there you have it, the Retroist's Top 5 Pee-wee's Playhouse episodes of all time. Until next time, list fans, this has been Metagirl. We are back. So Pee-wee is on top of the world. He just finished out a great show that was award-winning and then high in the ratings. He's making appearances all over the place. He has a pretty decent movie career. But then tragedy struck on July 26th. 1991, Paul Rubens, not Pee Wee Herman, was arrested in Sarasota, Florida on indecency charges. It was a big, big deal at the time. Pee Wee's Playhouse had already ended its run on CBS, but after the arrest, CBS stopped airing reruns. Disney MGM Studios, which had Pee Wee as part of its tour segment explaining how voiceover tracks are made, removed them. Toys R Us pulled all the toys that had Pee-wee in it off its shelves. Fans rallied. Letters were written. Eventually, Rubens made a deal with the Sarasota County Court that kept the charges off his record. He had to pledge to do 75 hours of community service and pay some fines. It was not a great day for Pee-wee, although it did give us this infamous anti-drug PSA, Crack Could Kill You. This is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. It's the most addictive kind of cocaine and it can kill you. What's really bad is nobody knows how much it takes. So every time you use it, you risk dying. It isn't worth it. Look, everybody wants to be cool, but doing it with crack isn't just wrong could be dead wrong. In 1991, Pee Wee made a memorable appearance at the MTV Video Music Awards in 1991. This was his first appearance as Pee Wee since the incident, and he opened up with Heard Any Good Jokes Lately? which got a standing ovation. I remember everybody was going to watch this because he was going to be on it, and everybody wanted to see what he was going to do. The next year, Pee-wee appeared one more time at the Grand Old Opry in a tribute to Minnie Pearl, and then Pee-wee and Rubens drifted from public view for a while. Rubens said that he thought it was a very good opportunity for him to get away from the Pee-wee character, and he moved on to playing other roles, some of them to great acclaim. So for 15 years, Pee-wee fans have been left without their idol. Then in 2006, Rubens made a public appearance for the first time dressed as Pee-wee at the Chiller Theater Expo, an East Coast fan convention, with Pee-wee Playhouse star Lynn Marie Stewart. He signed pictures and other memorabilia, and this got people started thinking that perhaps Pee-wee was making a comeback, and he was. He showed up again as Pee-wee in 2007. This was his first TV appearance as Pee-wee since 92, and it was on Spike TV's Guy's Choice Award. Then in August of 2007, at a showing of Pee-wee's Big Adventure in the Hollywood Forest Cemetery, Rubens made an appearance on stage, bringing with him 
almost the entire cast of the movie, E.G. Daly, Judd Oman, Diane Salinger, Daryl Keith Roach, and of course, Mark Holton. So where are we at? There have been several scripts talked about. A very dark Pee Wee Herman script that was Pee Wee becoming a big star, sort of like Elvis, and turning into a monster. Supposedly, this was fully written by Rubens, and was so dark that he thought it would get a PG-13 or even an R rating. When reaction to that was lukewarm, he started work on a new road movie, Pee-wee's Playhouse the Movie. Now, this film was supposedly greenlit by Paramount in 2006, and was expected to start filming in early 2007, but that never seemed to happen. So, as of now, we're looking at a maybe 2011 release. Now, the plot of it has been somewhat revealed by Rubens himself. It will focus on the television show, characters finally leaving the playhouse and venturing off into puppet land and beyond. So we get this sort of trip, like Pee-wee's Big Adventure, as they go out searching for another member of the show who's missing. I imagine maybe it's Zombie? Maybe. Rubens said that he will, in fact, portray Pee-wee himself, as long as it's done soon. But we've got fans scratching their heads... And considering the good or bad of it, when he said that he had spoken to Johnny Depp about playing the role of Pee Wee Herman. And although I don't doubt that Johnny Depp has the chops to play Pee Wee Herman, I've seen Paul Rubens in the makeup and the suit, and I still think he looks great, and I would love to see him play the role again. I will go to the theater the day it opens, and I will try to not get my legs stuck in the seat again. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by The Retroist at www.retroist.com. You can now follow me on Twitter and Facebook. I'm at Twitter at twitter.com slash retroist and facebook.com slash retroist. I had to stay up real late to get that. Thanks to Metagirl for her top five list. If you have an idea for the top five list, email it to Metagirl at metagirl at retroist.com. If you have an idea for the show, why don't you email it to me at retroist at retroist.com. Thanks again for listening to the show, and have a great weekend. This has been a Retroist production. Goodbye.